0: Welcome to the
1: Lash Besties Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome, guys, to the Lash Besties Podcast. This is Jody with Wings Lash Bar. I'm here with my best friend and my Lash Bestie, Amalia from Brazen Lash and Beauty. What's up, ladies? Today we have a good one for you guys. So listen mm-hmm. to the end. We are going to talk about what to charge.
0: Yes, and I love this subject because I feel like we've all been stuck there at some point, like not knowing exactly what to charge or feeling just like self-conscious about our prices. So I think all the topics that we're going to cover today are gold. Yes. So
1: let's start from the beginning of your lash career when you are a new lash artist. Should you charge when you're new? Should you not charge? Um, Amalia, tell us. How how was it when you first started? What did you determine? Okay. I know you were working for somebody when you first started, mm-hmm. so it wasn't really like you could determine your own prices, but tell us about your beginning
0: My stages experience. of your Yep. Okay. So, okay, yeah. First of all, I was hired by somebody, and she was running a Groupon. We'll talk touch base on Groupon a little um, while longer, but I couldn't really tell her what I wanted to do or not so I just like basically adopted her pricing. I took mostly all the group of people and then when I moved forward and I you know separated from her I started to realize that a lot of the people that were around me were price their prices were similar to the girl that I was working for so then I had kind of like a um a base price that I could potentially be charging clients but then I was new so then I did not feel comfortable like charging that from the get-go which honestly going back now I remember the girl that hired me her work was worse than mine so I don't know how (laughs) she was like confident to charge those prices but that's sometimes like I think that is the main problem that a lot of people don't realize how good they are and then they also think that because they're new they shouldn't be charging you know, a certain amount Mm -hmm. of price. Which is not the case. (laughs) No, exactly. But at the same time, I did not have a clientele that was my clientele. Like they either followed her or some stayed with me, but I didn't have enough clients to where like, I felt like everybody was just going to come and pay that price because they didn't know me. So then I just started doing a lot of models and you know taking people for a cheaper price at the beginning which it worked because a lot of people came but then not a lot of stayed so it was I remember I remember how how confident in your work would you say
1: you felt to be charging anything or however much you were this is like the
0: first six months of me working so honestly I did not feel super strong In my foundation, like I, I, I didn't think that I was the best lash artist, um, which I think my my um, brain was in the right track because I knew I could do better, but I also didn't have a mentor to tell me you should be charging this or not. So it was just a hit or miss. A lot of like mistakes that I've made. But how about you? Like because you you never work for anybody. Now,
1: when I first started, straight out of the lash class that I took, I just started hitting up friends and family, um, the friends and family of my friends and family, to get anybody <laughs> in. And I want to say I did about five to six or seven models before mm-hmm. I totally just took the leap and started my business. I mean, awesome, dude. That's that's also me. When I want to do something, I just like. Sometimes maybe I just don't even think, which is not Mm -hmm. smart, but thank God it worked out. But when I, yeah, so I did models first and I didn't charge anything. Um, Even Mm -hmm. my friends that were like, let me just give you a tip. Like I didn't take anything. Although, you know, there's, there's people out there that might argue like, no, you should at least charge even 20 or $30 to cover your supplies. Mm -hmm. But I, I looked at it as I'm practicing these people are allowing me to practice on their eyes, so that was a big deal for me because I didn't feel like I was going to fuck up their eyes or anything, but, you know, some people out there might be kind of skeptical for a newbie to go in and do their eyes and stuff. When I, yeah, so when I first started, I just took models, didn't take any money, and then when I started charging, my baseline was $100. Okay. Because let's face it ladies yes classic because i was only doing classic the volume wasn't even a thing when i learned how to Mm -hmm. lash um but yeah ladies lashes they are a luxury service Mm -hmm. plain and simple they yeah yeah you shouldn't be charging there's no in nowhere i don't care where you are located and what the um what's the word I don't care what the market is like, wherever you are. I honestly don't feel like any set should be less than $100. No matter what, I agree. Like, even for a classic, even if you're new.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not a necessity. It's not eggs. It's not, nothing that is going to you know, bring nutrition to your kid's body. It's something that you purely want, and it's a luxury, like J- Jodi says. So, again, a lot of the times back in the day when I started... I didn't understand how to have boundaries with people. And I feel like also people wanted to take advantage of me because it was an easy way for them to get their lashes. So then I wanted to please the people by keeping them in my, in my bed and charging them a really cheap price. So I think that's where I got stuck for a long time. Um, and by a long time, I mean like a year or two. I'm going to be honest because I eventually I started working more after I took models too. like I did not charge anything to some of them. Some of them would give me tip. Some of them wanted like a certain look. So it was like a model work, but then they were requesting a certain look. So then I would charge them a little bit for that look, um, which it worked out. But then I found myself that those same models it was hard for me to raise my prices Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I don't want to lose them because you know, they were income to me. So I remember being in my couch one time thinking, what am I going to do? Like I have this week, I have no clients and I have no income. And then the ones that are coming next week, they're barely paying $50 for a fill. And it was so, so disheartening. Like I feel like right now, thinking back, I feel like my heart was about to quit because I thought that I was never going to get past that point until, you know, I met other people that were like, no, dude, you should charge this much. Like your work is good. It's getting better. Like, what are you doing? You know? And so then I got the courage to do so. But then I had to have a system too, because a lot of clients, especially when they see the the prices go up, they don't want to come back. And we will cover
1: a little bit about when to raise your prices also. I know we touched this a little bit on a previous podcast, but just in case you missed that one, we will cover that one a little bit about that today. Um, Yes. I also want to point out that when you do have a model, which I have seen people getting models and then giving the model whatever look they want, like, no, they are a Mm -hmm. model for you to practice Mm -hmm. and for you to do whatever you want. Because I had a student once who she had a hard time finding models and she kept telling me, well, the model said that she didn't want this or she didn't want it that way. I'm like, wait a minute. She's a model for you. She has no say. (laughs) At least she shouldn't have a say because you are practicing your craft and you can do whatever you want to do. That's why they are called a model.
0: Right. And see, that's why I'm saying earlier, me, I just didn't know how to put boundaries and I let even my model tell me what they wanted. <laughs> so then it was just a mess. That's why I'm telling you guys, you need to find somebody that you can trust that has been where you are and that gives you some insight because that's why sometimes people take so long to get unstuck. And that's kind of what happened to me. So I'm so thankful that I met you and then eventually we reconnected because I grabbed a lot of like your ideas and then, you know, other people's ideas and like it helped me. But oh my gosh, it's the worst feeling. The worst feeling because it's, you're hanging by a thread of like having a business or having a very expensive hobby because you're not making any money
1: (laughs) or barely (laughs) any money.
0: You know what I mean? So it sucked. It really did
1: going back to the whole model thing when i started charging and i was charging a hundred dollars for classic sets i mean back then i thought i was i was doing a great job and looking back at photos of my work it's not that it was terrible but the lengths that i was using the styling that i was using i was like oh my gosh so for you guys out there thinking that oh well i'm new my work isn't good i don't want to charge like no again lashes is a luxury service and Mm. We are all super critical of ourselves. So what we might not think looks good is good or other people think it looks good. Mm -hmm. So don't just think off the bat like, oh, I'm new, I can't charge anything.
0: Yeah. Now when I have students that are barely, you know, finishing their course or their training with me, I teach them to have a balance of These many, like, let's just say you're going to do 10 people for free. And then that after the first 10, then the next 10, you're going to charge a base price of 25 to $30 per hour. So if you're going to practice on them for two hours and you're charging them $30 an hour, you're making your set $60 or, you know, whatever. And then after you do those 10 or those five or those seven models or clients, whatever, then you graduate and then you're starting to charge more. Um, I don't know $50 per hour so if you take two hours to do a full set now there you go you have $100 but see like nobody told me that until I kind of just started thinking like how could I have done it better so then my students can, can do better and that's why I introduce after you know they graduate from my training I tell them what to do and that's it has been so far it has been successful for them so then they also get into the rhythm of Knowing how and when to raise their prices, which I think it's ideal because again nobody teaches you to raise your prices on how to do it And it's just yes. a mess and from raising
1: your prices from when you're first doing models to cheaper um, Charging lower and then gradually making going up you have to set the boundary in the beginning By mm-hmm. telling people this is a model price hmm in X amount of time or eventually, it's going to be, this is just a special price now and then it's going to be X amount. Just so people aren't, like I was told this by one of, I forgot what one of our colleagues that, for charging, Mm -hmm. you don't wanna, clients are like, ah, they raise their prices or they they say, oh, well it used to be this price, like how come it's this now? Well, Mm -hmm. you put it out there right from the beginning that, hey, this Mm -hmm. is a special price because either you're new or you're just starting out or you're just getting models, so that they are aware that, hey, they got that special price. So when that price goes up, then they are aware like, oh, well, that's your normal price now.
0: I absolutely agree. And communication, that's why communication is so, so huge. It's such an important part of what we do, especially at the beginning, because once you are this great artist, who cares? If people don't want to pay the price, they don't have to. But you already have a base um, clientele and you have this reputation. So people, without asking why, they will pay the price. But at the beginning, you do have some explanation of doing, not explanation to do, but like just communicate what is going to happen in a few months to come or whatever. So then people either know what they're getting into and they don't resent you and they are well aware of your System or or, you know what what's happening in your career. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And again, nobody told me that. See, so (laughs) ah, so frustrating. But anyways, that's why we are educators. (laughs) Let's say you're
1: past the model part and you want to start charging, but you feel Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm charging, but nobody's coming in. Groupon is not the end of the world. No. Is it kind of shitty because you? don't really make any money, yes, that is completely true. Let me tell you how Groupon works because I did it in the beginning of my career and I want to say some of my best clients today came from Groupon. Mm -hmm. I might have had 50 Groupon um, sold and only five of them became really good clients. But it's still totally worth it. Mm -hmm. So Groupon works in the sense that they will list your business and your... um, services, as long as your discount is about 50% off. Mm-hmm. So let's say you charge $200. Your regular price for a full set of whatever is $200. They want to be able to market you saying, Groupon deal, 50% off, $100 for the set. Mm-hmm. And then what you get from that is typically 50%. Mm-hmm. So your, your Groupon is selling for $100, and then you only get $50 from that. Mm-hmm. but what a lot of consumers don't know is you don't get the money unless that Groupon is redeemed so before I've had people that were like oh well I gotta get a refund for my Groupon or whatever and you're like well you have to take that up with Groupon because you purchase it with them and then they get mad We're like well, well my money blah 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 it's like well I didn't get any money because it wasn't redeemed which again a lot of consumers don't know so then they go back to the service provider saying, "Hey, where's my money?" and then they get pissed off that you're directing them the Groupon, but then it's like, "Well, I didn't get the money cuz you didn't come in." Mm-hmm. Um, again, Groupon, a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth from it because they feel like, "Oh, I didn't make anything." I think I remember you telling me that you were making like $20 for a full set.
0: Mhm. When it was Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, you guys? It was great hands-on, hands-on experience for me mm-hmm. and I don't regret it. So at least I was getting $20. So even if they didn't tip me, I was getting $20, you know, I, let's call it what it is. Like you have to get people in your massage table or chair or whatever Yep. to practice. It It's part of the investment. Either you invest time or you invest money. So pick one.
1: hmm And Doing the on like, you don't have to do it forever. You could do it for mm-hmm. a couple months just to get people in, just to get the practice. And once that's over and done with, then you can start charging regular prices. Absolutely. I feel like it was a great thing. Like, yeah, we both didn't make a whole lot of money, but that wasn't our goal in the beginning. Our goal was to get better, and mm-hmm. it helped us get better.
0: Right. And it's a numbers game at the, be- the beginning, too, because... Um, again, you might get 15 people in through Groupon, right, or 10, and two might stay, and the other eight don't come back, but then two stayed, and they might mm-hmm. stay with you for years. So was it worth the investment? Trust me, it was, because that ex- that's the exact same thing that happened to me. I have still till this day, I mean, I don't lash them all the time because now I'm in Texas, but when I go to California, the same clients that came from Groupon stay with me for six years, and when I go to California, they still come and get lashed by me. So, yes, it was well worth it. (laughs) I would put up (laughs) with it again. I would.
1: I know. You get your crazies. I mean, I got my fair share of crazies from Groupon, but then I also have, like, my core best clients. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they will because they see you at your beginning stages and they see your growth and your commitment and how much you have improved. It's like they almost fall in love with your growth and they want to be there to support you. And then also you create these relationships. So, you know, it's like they kind of become friends. They become Mm -hmm. life friends because I remember one of these um, clients. Uh, she was starting nursing school when I was starting lashes and we basically kind of met at the beginning of our careers and then we started growing together then she graduated then I got married then she went into doing her master's then I you know like opened my salon whatever like every little step that we took we celebrated together so it's like now we're like these little life friends and she brought so many customers too because then she referred people to me so again you guys, I, I remember being in your shoes, being desperate, being sad, being like um, doubting myself. But then if you wait and then you do what you have to do and you bite the bullet, it gets better in time to the point that you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad
1: I did it. Yes, this is not a get rich quick industry. No. You have to put in your time, all the blood, sweat and tears to you get do. to that point that you want to get to
0: right right so So, real quick before we move on you had mentioned something to me earlier before we started the the episode was that one of the good things that you could do when you have models especially if you don't charge them is that in exchange for not charging them they write you a review so is that what you did that's
1: actually not what I did it was just an idea that I had I'm like wait a minute that is a that's a Good way to start. When I yeah. started, a lot of my business and came from, and still does come from, Yelp. I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I don't like Yelp either, because I think it's more for the restaurant industry that doesn't like Yelp, because you could have mm-hmm. like, you could serve as one client who or patron that didn't like it and they leave a bad review. But for yeah. me, Yelp has done wonders. Um, word of mouth is a huge thing, but Yelp, I had, even as models, my friends and family that i did lashes on they exchange in the exchange for that too was also like hey could you just at the very least just write me a Yelp review and mm-hmm. honestly that is how my business grew was yeah. through reviews and it it doesn't necessarily have to be Yelp you know nowadays there's Facebook there's Google
0: Google anywhere
1: right. that they can leave you some kind of review is going to be helpful
0: But let me just clarify real quick because I feel that People. The reason why they resent Yelp too is because they have made some sort of m- like investment, money wise, to get promoted or whatever, and it doesn't work. Oh, and yeah, then no, don't do that. So Jody didn't <laughs> do that, okay? Jody, the what when when she's explaining how good Yelp has been for her is purely based on reviews, reviews. left by customers. Mm-hmm. No, I did not investing any money for no marketing
1: or ads. No, which and don't pay for that. You don't do it. If Yelp is contacting you they used to contact me like every other day, like at least once a week for Mm -hmm. investing in their ads and marketing. And like, I honestly had to just tell them, can you please stop calling me? I'm not interested.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, we have heard like horror stories from people who Mm -hmm. have invested money in Yelp marketing only to not get what they paid for. Yeah. And also
0: they're unable to even cancel the service. Absolutely, and I have heard that many times, and it's horrible. Worst nightmare ever, um, because you're just like being charged for something that you're not even receiving. It's like a big scam. But um, just really quick before we move forward... The exchange of service for a review at the very beginning in your career, you have no idea the impact that it can have because most customers go looking for reviews because that's exactly what they need in order to make a decision when they don't know you. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was brilliant from Jody because I lacked doing that because, again, I didn't know how to ask for things. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have a system. I didn't have anybody to tell me what to do. So then I was driven by money. So I thought that the only way that I was receiving like feedback was if they gave me a tip or if they wanted to pay or not. So that's why I got discouraged a lot. But imagine that if instead of just looking for the money, you're looking for those reviews that in the long run are going to be there for years. Because most mm-hmm. people, once they leave a review, they hardly ever go back and change it if their service was fine even if they came one time to you it's going to stay there for a long time which also validates the amount of time that you've been lashing so please 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 take into consideration that reviews are like sometimes better than money when you're starting at the beginning of your career
1: and don't pay for them no oh my gosh (laughs) yes i see a lot of businesses even putting out there like oh get x amount off um If you leave a review and it's like, well, you know, people might have mixed reviews on that. Me personally, like I don't want to reward somebody with money or some kind of discount for them to put a review because honestly, Mm -hmm. I do want those honest reviews. Like are Mm -hmm. five stars wanted? Of course. But I don't want to like pressure somebody into doing that just because they feel like they're going to get a reward for it.
0: Right, right. Right. And then real quick, if you get a really bad review, just deal with it. Look, <laughs> I mean, unless somebody's just trying to like mess with you on a, on a personal level, a review is that they are reviewing your work. So this is a great opportunity for you to practice customer service Mm -hmm. and don't get butthurt and go emotionally like replying to the person. Just be ethical and be like, put yourself in their position. Like, did you really do something wrong or was the person a little crazy? Just nicely and politely say like, hey, you know, thank you that you took the time to review. I didn't um, review my work. I didn't know you felt this way. How can I make it better? Yep. Is there something I could have done better? If you want to come in, we can discuss like whatever, you know, so it's these also, it is a huge way for other customers, potential customers to see how you behave with. Oh, yes. Clients. Yes. That's so that's I love reading
1: reviews. I'm sure <laughs> every and you know, I, I always scroll to the bad ones. I'm sure mm-hmm. I am not the only one on Yelp that, like, is looking at reviews. Mm-hmm. And you want to go to all the bad ones because even if somebody has, like, let's say four and a half stars, you want to know why they're, they don't have five. So yeah. like, you're, like, scrolling to the bad ones. And then sometimes you see the response from the owner and you're like, oh,
0: no, no wonder. wonder. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Or or you read the 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 review, right? And the one-star review and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this has nothing to do with the service. This person is This person's is like crazy. Deranged. Yeah. Like don't yeah. even." So, right? I will
1: say like yes, getting a bad review sucks. Like I've felt it. I've dwelled over it. I've gotten mm-hmm. sad when I see those pop up. But the ones that did pop up, I'm like, "Dude, that bitch was crazy." Yeah. And I guess I'm just more upset the fact that they even had to write something. And then, of course, I write a response where yeah. I don't, not in so many words, but I'd say, like, hey, bitch, you're crazy. And people that read those reviews, like, they read it, too, and they will understand. Like, does it mess up your rating? Yes. But it's, mm-hmm. it's honestly, it's not the end of the world.
0: No, no. You know what? At the end of the day, we are in the service industry. So there are going to be people that are unhappy no matter what you do. So mm-hmm. you just have to put up with it. There is always a a person that is gonna you know mess with you, and you're gonna want to say things. But you know what? You're better than that. She's probably never gonna come back. You're never gonna see her again. Who cares? Just focus on getting better reviews, and also you know take into consideration that there's there might be a little bit of truth behind it. You know unless they're crazy sometimes people have constructive criticism they just don't know how to say it to your face and then they just go to Yelp and like leave it there you know
1: yeah which I have seen a lot of people again in the forums they are posting like oh my gosh this person left me a bad review what do I do blah 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 and some Mm -hmm. people's attitudes like lash artists their attitudes Mm -hmm. are just crazy over it like I've read so many things where it didn't even seem like the client was crazy but then the lash artist is like F this chick. I'm just going to ghost yeah. her. And I'm like, yeah. are you kidding me? You run a customer service-based business. And mm-hmm. you're just going to go and up and ghost somebody and not, like, try to remedy it? It's insane to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, again, you guys just don't understand the power that clients have <laughs> in their hands. Because people will not come to you if they see things like that or, like... You know, I, I, I've been to places where I see how the co- the owners behave and it's just a big turnoff. Like, I will never give them my business just, you know, based purely on the fact of how they answer, how they're treating their customers, mm-hmm. how they, you know. It's bad because, again, a lot of the times I tell my students, most of the times your customers give you their um, their preference or like they give you their business based on how you make him feel yes. right off from the first time that they see you like they have or, to like you too <laughs> yes like it's an emotional thing like we're emotional creatures and I think females can be a little bit more emotional about things so girls if you have somebody and, and, and the girlfriend says oh my gosh you have to go see my last girl she's the sweetest little thing I love her People, most likely, even if the lashes look like they're throwing gang signs, the <laughs> bestie is going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to give her a try just based on that, you know, on on, on, yep. on that review. So remember, your brand is what people are saying behind you. Like when you leave, the, like let's say that you're in a, in a room and if as soon as you leave, whatever people are saying about you, that's your brand. So yep. be careful. Be careful with what you're doing out there. Like, you um, never
1: hear somebody say, like, I wouldn't go to Molly and be like, I got my lashes done by this person, and she was kind of rude, and she did this or that, but no, you should still go to her. Like, no. No. I would never. never. <laughs> no, would never. Okay, so let's move on to how you should charge. So now we have already covered what you should charge when you're new. We'll get to what you should charge when you're not new later and how to base that, what your price is on. But right now, Amalia, what do you charge by? Do you charge by service, time, or by
0: time in the sense of the amount of weeks it's been? Okay, so I myself charge base by time. And by time I mean hourly. So I don't have like classic uh, and then different, you know, fills, full sets, uh, quickies, whatever. I don't have a mix set. I don't have a, like I just charge hourly, basically. Period. My base price for an hour is hundred and twenty-five dollars. That's what I charge as of uh, two thousand twenty-two. Oh no, two thousand twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> what year? we <Sorry>, guys. <laughs> what year are we in? Oh my gosh. So yeah, as of 2023, that's how much I charge per hour. It doesn't matter if they want classics, it doesn't matter if they want volume, mix, whatever they want, that's what I charge, period. Now, the reason why I came up with that is because I don't consider or I don't think that if I am doing classics for somebody, it's less work than volume. like The skill is different, but at the end of the day, my time should be paid equally. That's what I believe. That's one. Number two, there are clients that naturally, for example, you, you're Asian, you have um, maybe a little bit, a little bit less lashes than probably somebody that is Mexican, right? Like they have a ton of lashes. So I don't take the same amount of time with you as I would take with a, a Mexican girl that has way more hair naturally because of her ethnicity. Um, so then why would I subject you to the same price, um, than her when I'm actually needing more time with her, even if it's been three weeks and you is three weeks, but I only need an hour. And with her, I need an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So then I basically just kind of like explain to them with, uh, you know, to them during consultation or as we build a relationship and then the client will learn how much time they need with me for a fill and that's what they book all the time and then you might only need a one hour um, appointment with me every three weeks because you guys are totally different your needs are totally different so at the end of the day I know exactly how much I'm making uh, per hour and it's easier for me to track my uh, profits and I love it because People, I think clients, they don't understand classic volume, like what it really takes, how many lashes, da-da-da. They understand time and they understand money. So I like to speak my client's language and I tell them, this is how much time you need with me and this is how much it's going to cost you. And they understand me and it just worked perfect for me. Okay. That's kind of what I do.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. I charge a different price than what my girls have. Well, not like what they charge because they're employees and I have... So the way that my fills are, they're by service and time. So I have classic fills, mix fills, volume fills, mega volume fills. And then we have a quick fill for each category, which except for classic, because classic is always just an hour. Um, Mm -hmm. But for like the mix volume, mega volume, we have a quick one, which is anywhere between like one to two weeks, maybe not even two, like seven Mm -hmm. to 10 days. That's a quick hour. And then we have the standard one, which runs anywhere from hour 15 to an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So we have the clients just book however much time they need because they understand that, hey, whatever you have left, you should have half of them left. But let's say you Mm -hmm. just happen to have less than half of your extensions left, and it should take you a little bit longer, and you only booked an hour. Well, Mm -hmm. you're going to pay the hour price, and you're only going to get an hour. So however many I can get on in that hour is however you're going to get, however many lashes you're going to get, how full you're going to get. And if I can't get you completely full in that hour, then we let you know, like, hey, next time you should book a standard one or you should come back in less than a week so we can catch Mm -hmm. up. Right. So, And then the way that I charge is I charge like you. I have a base price for my hour, hour 15, and... The reason why I did that is because I charge a little bit more. My whole goal was to slowly stop doing lashes. And Mm -hmm. in order to do that, I need to slowly shrink my clientele and have my clients slowly go to my other girls. And also Mm -hmm. when new clients are booking, they might see that my price is more and they may not want to pay that price to get me so then they'll book with my other girls. So my whole goal with me charging a separate price and just different you can with me is just like you. Mm -hmm. You can get classic, mix, volume, whatever in that hour that you book with me for that set amount of price. Mm -hmm. And my set price is still I think it's equal or more than our highest um, fill price. Okay which is for mega volume. So people mm-hmm. that just get classic, they'll still pay that price just to get me. And that was in hopes of just filling my girl's schedule and slowly dwindling down my time.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, you guys can do whatever you think is best for yourself. Um, these are just two different uh, ways of how we charge, just so you guys understand, like how Jody runs her salon and like how we personally run our own um, schedule. But there's no right or wrong. Like I honestly, as long as you feel that you are being compensated um, enough and fairly for the work that you do, then go for it. Um, I just want to bring up really quick. Uh, oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> that,
1: well, in my opinion, there is kind of a wrong way to charge, in that. Well, would yes, be yes. Charging by time, in the sense of tar- charging for weeks that have passed. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see a lot of people charge by weeks like oh one week fill is this much two weeks three weeks The problem with that kind of charging is that everybody's lash cycle is different
0: Different. And everybody
1: has a different amount of lashes. So let's say somebody that has a really slow um, Growth cycle They could come in at two weeks and it'll be like less time where somebody Mm -hmm. else who has a fast growth cycle they're paying the same amount for two weeks but they might need like a full set by that time Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it really it's hard to charge that way and it's also kind of unfair for your clients to be charged Mm -hmm. that way
0: yes I totally agree and that's why I came up with the hourly for me because it worked better because I saw that somebody needed more at a certain week than somebody else so why would I put them in the same category it's just what benefited them was paying for the exact amount of time that they individually needed Mm -hmm. not the amount of weeks that have gone by so I totally agree with that I really do. Um, so now I want to bring up really quick, um, a quick story that I was telling my, um, Jodi about one of my students and is, um, it has to do a lot with not having a system, um, and then also not feeling worthy of being paid what she deserves and not being confident in her skill, which trust me guys, I train her and I see her work and I know she does really good work. Uh, but she was charging $65 for a full set. Then. Of anything of uh, volume and mega volume yes I don't think she does classics I don't know I'm not sure but then then she graduated to charge a hundred dollars for a full set because somebody that she did her lashes for um for for this girl the client was like no you need to start charging more you're charging way too little and so then when I asked her like okay wait so tell me why you were charging that she said well it's because um my clients most of the time at two uh three weeks they all need a full set so my full set was kind of like a fill price and I'm like wait what like I just did not understand her way of thinking like the process of it um but I guess the reason why when I kept talking to her I came up to the con- with the conclusion of she was not scared of um not scared she was scared of losing the client if she raised the prices so then mm. it goes back to feeling confident about your work and then also pricing it to where like your clients can afford you so then you can have the money coming in which is like the total, totally wrong way of thinking. (laughs) And, um, you know, it sucks because then also you're starting to degrade the lash industry because then you are allowing people that, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they should not be getting their lashes on. If they can't afford to get lashes on, they shouldn't really be getting them, but you're helping them afford you mm-hmm. at your own expense of not making enough money so you're barely even breaking even and so you know we're going through the process of having her raise her prices and everything she's going through the Bracing Knowledge Business Academy right now with me um, we're on week five and she's starting to understand what she needs to do because she can continue to go like this if she wants a successful business right and so she told me, and this is one of our uh, next topics, she told me, but how can I make my clients stay if I'm raising my prices? Uh, And also, how can I attract new clients that are actually willing to pay more money? And I'm like, you just do that. Because if you are charging very little, you're attracting the wrong clientele. Mm-hmm. which she's always complaining to me that oh my gosh they're so high maintenance they're so cheap they want these they want that and they're not willing to pay for it so she's attracting that clientele all of her clients are like that yep because there's other lash artists out there charging what you
1: should be charging so then these clients that want the cheaper price they see you and they go there at the cheaper price and of course they're going to go to you and then they're going to have all mm-hmm. these expectations and it's really about attracting what what type of client do you want to attract?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And also I told her, Well, babe, if you're charging sixty five dollars for a full set, a client that knows good quality, even if you give good quality, a client that sees your pricing is gonna get scared and be like, Oh dude, like I don't wanna go to you. Why are you so cheap? Like are you new you know? What? Are you like... new? Like what's happening? You know? So I told her you have to be very careful with that like fine line because it could be actually detrimental. To who is coming to you. So, if you want to attract to your dream clientele, if you want to attract the right type of clientele, you have to be pricing yourself at the right um, price. Otherwise, you're going to detour the good ones and you're going to bring all the crazies, which happened to me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can attest to that. <laughs> yes. So, what else do you think you, people should do to attract their, their, the right type of clientele?
1: I feel like you definitely have to be patient also. Mm -hmm. Like, don't just drop your prices or have the cheap prices because you're trying to get people in. Like, that's also why you have models. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But for us, I want to say for my salon here in Brea, I think I want – we're on the little higher end Mm -hmm. for fill prices because there are a lot of lash places popping up and they do charge a little less which is fine. I'm not concerned with competition (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I know that we provide quality work and we care about your lashes and your lash health. We're not just going to slap anything on your eyes. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say I haven't had very many, if any, like crazies or difficult clients because right from the beginning, I tried to not necessarily like weed them out, but Mm -hmm. because of the price point, there are people that are like, oh, well, you charge too much. I've had people inquire about lashes and I tell them the price and they make a snarky comment of like, oh, well, that's expensive or mm-hmm, some, mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, then don't come to me. Right. That's, that is that simple. Right. So, so we that's are, actually- yeah, we are attracting the clientele that we want, the ones that can pay mm-hmm. for the service and appreciate the work that we
0: do. Because and you're filtering them just yep. by your price. That's yep. so crazy, right? So be like Joey says be patient and trust the process because it takes time, but the right clients will find you at that price point. And they're out there. Point. They, they are. are out there. Which brings me to our topic, the economy. Cuz so a lot of people are afraid of the economy like I mean 2023, it has like a big label on top of it that says inflation. Recession. And recession. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so different from 2020 because a lot of the times I feel like when we dive into that topic, 2020 was scary because it was a pandemic and also because um, we couldn't go out. So people were scared of getting sick, not uh, scared of spending because people had money in 2020 because we were giving, given um, you know money to help um, ourselves because of the situation.
1: And they weren't spending no. the money on going out. So they had uh, more money. They had more money. And we're now from the home, opposite. not spending on gas. Like the spending was just not there. So Exactly. Yes, I do feel in twenty twenty we had like business was great. Despite yeah. the pandemic.
0: Yes. And then twenty twenty one it was like even spiked up even higher mm-hmm. because everybody was like, Yeah, we can come out and we can do normal things and people were excited of spending but now 2023 the first half of 2022 was kind of like 21
1: also Mm -hmm. and then it was like near the end of 22 that it was like
0: now coming into 23. yeah like with the inflation everything started getting more expensive and then now recession words come to mind right and People are automatically scared of raising their prices or they assume that they should lower their prices because they want to retain their clientele, which I understand. Look, we should all be prepared at any given point during our lifetime to go through a recession or have inflation or even just be prepared to have people not come for whatever reason, right?
1: Which if you haven't listened to our previous podcast about saving for a rainy day, That is Mm -hmm. the perfect one to listen to. If you need to know how to
0: save, how you should save, or what you should do to prepare. Absolutely. And the reason why we're bringing this up too is because I just want to remind you guys, people will always spend money if they have it. They will be a little bit more reserved if there is something happening like a recession, But people that have the money will still spend on the luxuries that they like to live by. So here is where I tell you again, if you're attracting cheaper clients because of your price, clearly those clients are not going to come during a recession or whatever is happening. But if you are targeting a more higher end clientele where you're attracting people that most likely will still have the money to spend during these times they will consistently come. Maybe you'll see some people leave, but most of them will remain because they can still afford it. So it goes hand in hand, I feel like. And I have something to add to that.
1: Um, When I had my kids, my second child, I reduced my hours a lot. And then I had to start picking up the kids from school, dropping them off. So I was really only working like four to five hours a day. And even now mm-hmm. I don't even work past three o'clock because I have to pick up my kids, which the clientele that I have, they can still come during those times. Cause I had a lot of people mm-hmm. say, well, you don't work past five o'clock or you don't work on the weekends. Like, how am I supposed to come to you? Or people ask how do you even make money if your hours are like just kind of, in a sense, crappy. You have the crappy hours where like most people, yeah, most people work. Like how are they supposed to come to you? Well, they will find a way. If they really, really want to come to you, they will find a way. I've had Mm -hmm. clients tell their work like, oh, well, I have a doctor's appointment. I mean, technically Mm -hmm. we're like eye doctors, right? (laughs) (laughs) I have people come during their lunch break or some will just take the hours off. And I understand not everybody is able to do that, but the point I'm trying to make is the clientele that I have gained is the type of client that has the flexibility in their job. Mm -hmm. They are either a stay at home mom or they have their own business. So Mm -hmm. I have that higher tier clientele that one Mm -hmm. can afford to come and Mm -hmm. can
0: also come at any given time of the day. Absolutely. And that is for me the same case. Like most of the time, my clients would do anything to come to their appointment because they did not want to miss their, you know, their time with me. And they would either take the time off, just like one client told me, well, if I make time to go to the OBGYN at 9 in the morning on a work um, on a work day, I will make time to come to see you at 10 in the morning because it's equally as important. I mean, <laughs> priorities, right? But it's true. The people that can afford to pay for these type of um, prices are the type of people, that, like Jody says, they have their own business or they have a, you know, high... Um, high paying job and they can you know just take off at any time and then keep working you know later during the day so they don't are um held by a a schedule that pays them low or like doesn't allow them to do the things that they want to do and then now they are asking you to bend backwards see them at 10 pm and give them a 50 dollars fill for mega volume like Please, you guys have to understand, like, (laughs) you need to have a system and you need to understand these things. So, again, the economy will always, you know, fluctuate. You have to be prepared for that. But, like, I don't think it's a reason for you not to, um, you know, have good pricing. And also
1: piggybacking on taking a fill at 10 p.m. or weird hours, any hours. I know there are some people that charge extra for Mm -hmm. working outside of their business hours which is totally fine there's nothing wrong with that but then also let's say you don't charge extra and you want to accommodate your clients and you take them outside of hours as long as it works for you and you're okay Mm -hmm. with that it's perfectly Mm -hmm. fine but if you have a client that's constantly asking you to go out of your business hours and bend over backwards for them and it's stressing you out cut it it's off, not worth it. let them
0: go. It's not worth the stress. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that money is not worth it because it's costing you more like health wise, mental, um, peace, you know, it's just not worth it. I agree. Totally agree. So let's move on to how much should your fills
1: be in relation to a full set? The rule of thumb that I like to do is fill should be half the price of a full set. Mm -hmm. Which I say that, but then my prices are, I think my fills are like just slightly under half of a full set price. Maybe like by $5 or something. And the reason that is, is let's say a full set takes you two hours. Well, Mm -hmm. they should be coming back with half the amount of lashes, right? So then Mm -hmm. technically speaking, if you're only lashing the other half of their lashes, it should take you half the time of the full set. Maybe give or take... 10-15 minutes because you're removing the outgrowns and you're not just starting off fresh Mm -hmm. and you do have to take the time to do the remove some but i do like to keep to that that fill should be half the price of a full set i don't know how do you feel about that
0: i agree i mean there is something that i always say out loud is not because you are fast it means that you're bad so i always start with that quote because i am really fast Jody can attest that I'm pretty mm-hmm. speedy at my craft, and I don't necessarily would like to be called like, you know, oh, you prefer quality over quantity because that's not it. I just I learned to be fast on my craft. So for me, I agree with what Jody said about the you know half. Um, you know, the, full, the fill should be at least half the price of a full set because, yeah, in my case, I can fill your lashes even if it's like 75% um, shed, you know, like there's no lot of ex- extensions because, you know, 75% of them are gone. I could still fill you within an hour. I can, but should I be doing that? <laughs> because then people take advantage, right? Yeah, they're like, but... oh, she could like do a full set in an hour, so let me just book a fill when I have like none left. Right, but so long the client understands that whatever I get to do within that hour is what I'm going to do, that's the deal, right? Mm-hmm. Including if they're coming in with like their lashes and they're not super clean and I have to wash them, I will do it and I'm not going to charge more, but it's eating time away from me lashing them. So Yep, which so also long they brings understand
1: us to when clients are running late. I used to have a policy where if you're like 15 minutes or more late, I'm just going to cancel your appointment. But then I've come to realize that a lot of people, well, they get mad. Like, yeah, it's their fault they're late. But at the same time, it's like they still want their appointment. They still want their lashes. So I've come to like whatever, like, yeah, you could be late. That's fine. But that's just going to cut into your time Mm -hmm. that I have for lashing you. So you just won't be as full. And, you know, clients Mm -hmm. understand that because they're happy with like anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because they, you don't know if they were late because their kid, like, was sick and they threw up and she had to clean him up and then mm-hmm. run out the door. And now she's like, dang it, like, I don't have time to come, like, during the week because I'm, you know, have other commitments. And so the fact that you took them 15 minutes late, it doesn't matter. You're still f- lashing them for 45 minutes. And, and I teach this to my students, too. I believe that 100%. It's their time. Who are you to tell them? Mm-hmm what to do or not as long as they're paying you because isn't that stupid that you are actually being like no i'm not gonna take you it's been 15 minutes and you're also taking a um a hit because you're not getting paid the full price of your fill like and you're just gonna sit there for the rest of the 45 minutes anyway yeah so like it doesn't make sense unless they're not showing you and you charge them for the Mm -hmm. full price of that appointment Girl, go have a mimosa on my behalf. Like kick it. But if you are, <laughs> if they're still wanting to come in and that could cost you the relationship with your client, why not yep. taking them and make the money? And the tip. Like they will like you even more because they will understand that they're human too and that you gave them a chance to come a little bit late. Now if this is a person that does it all the time, Oh, yeah, that's You know, well, that's different. But even then, if they do that all the time, but they understand the terms of, like, I last you as long as I can. And you had a 15-minute break anyways in between clients, so just take it. You know, I mean, that's just me.
1: Which, yeah, because then it makes sense in the sense that, like, let's say they came 20 minutes late and their appointment's for an hour. You are still getting paid for that hour, and you're doing less work. So, thank you. That's, like, the best
0: (laughs) way to put it. Yeah, so true. <laughs> um, really quick before we move on to our next uh, topic, um, I really wanted to say real quick. I heard somebody from another podcast say, it's really unfair when people say like to prize yourself at a certain high price when, I don't know, you live in North Dakota and you're living in California. So, Obviously, California is going to be more expensive than North Dakota, so please don't make it a standard that across the United States should be the same, like $125 an hour, because it's not. And I understand that, and it's true. Like, I, in California, I got to charge $125 an hour for a fill for an hour, because the demand is there. I have the prestige of, like, people know my work, they want my work, and they don't care because they know that their lashes are going to last them whatever the, the reason may be. And the economy in California is different, right? Like whatever, let's call it what it is. Now, I don't live in North Dakota. I don't, I've never been in North Dakota. So I don't know, you know, what prices are over there. So maybe over there, they are comfortable charging $90 for a fill, but they feel the pressure of charging 125 Please don't misinterpret what we're saying. Like, the point of these podcasts is for you to understand the like what works for you, so long you're not below par and you're not underpaid, yeah. because that's a huge thing. And Jody and I have always just been big advocates for people to get paid good money because you're also in business to make money, right? So and this if you is don't a hard have, skill, it is right. So if you don't have that understanding of okay, like. Being realistic. Well, I live in Virginia, or I live in Texas, whatever you are, right? You you want to make sure that you are pricing accordingly without feeling that you are too much, and now you're like pushing it, and nobody's really coming, or you're pricing it too low, and then you are targeting the wrong clientele. That's basically which also
1: brings us to calculating what you should charge, but also piggybacking on being in the boonies and charging a lot honestly Mm -hmm. I have seen because people post on the forums like oh what do you charge where are you located and I see a lot Mm -hmm. of those and there are some people that are located in fucking Egypt and Mm -hmm. they still are able to charge a premium yeah so it doesn't necessarily mean anything when you are in let's say a small town and you don't feel like you can charge a lot like it's it's possible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, calculating what you should charge. A lot of people, I feel like they base their prices off of, one, they do their research in their area, what are people charging? Yes, Mm -hmm. that has a factor into what you could charge, like if you want to be competitive, but when it comes down to it, you want to charge something that makes sense for you. You Mm -hmm. have to calculate what your break-even is per client. And Mm -hmm. that means calculating your overhead, like what's your rent costing you, your utilities, your supplies and do the math. Yep. Do the math to figure out how much it costs you per client Mm
0: -hmm.
1: per hour or -hmm. just per client and then figure out um, what are you making per hour? Because let's just say you charge sixty five dollars for a full set. The full mm-hmm. set is going to take you, let's say, two hours, sometimes maybe even three hours if you're doing a full volume set.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: minus the cost of your supplies and then divide that by the two or three hours. And then you're left with like making $15 an hour, mm-hmm. which, I mean, if you wanted to make $15 an hour doing less work, there are jobs out there that you could do that. This is, right. Right. it just, it has to make sense for you too
0: absolutely because a lot of people again when i say oh $125 per hour we were like whoa but girls it's not really cuz i have to deduct like at least 20% of that to put into taxes mm-hmm. i need to take at least let's say for phil uh, $10 away for product you know and then my rent and so it's not $125 i just i i charge that to make sure that at least i'm profiting at least $80 for myself you know at least at minimum so th- that's exactly right what jody's saying so you want to make sure you put into perspective the amount of money that you want to make per hour and then add whatever mm-hmm. else it's going to cost you to you know make that money and you're not making the hourly price and then you have to deduct everything else from it like yep. it, you have to kind of work it backwards if that makes sense
1: Yep. And we will post a link below. I do have a break even worksheet where you just need to plug in your numbers and then you can figure out what it costs you per client. So then you can Mm -hmm. start there and then build on all your other whatever you want to make per hour and then determine Mm -hmm. what your price is going to be for your sets. Or yeah.
0: I mean, who else gives you all of these for free, you guys? <laughs> I'm telling you. We're we're unicorns in this industry. Come on. <laughs> um, okay. The last topic we're going to talk to you about is to raise your prices. And although we have touched base on this uh, topic in previous episodes, we're just going to go through it really quick. Um, so I'm a firm believer of having specific Months of the year where you are going to introduce your new pricing because you don't want to find yourself in a position where everybody is spent because it's after the holidays and then you come as a second you know, you go to the back burner because you're not in their top priority, you kind of have to work with the psychology of people. Like, so people are ready to spend during November and December because the holidays are there. So that's a great time to raise your prices and kind of just sneakily put them in there. So people are already kind of like expecting things to go up or like are already like putting their wallet out to buy stuff. So then that's a great time to do it. Um, the worst times to do it, I think, it's January because, again, everybody's spent after the holidays and, like, around September, August and September, because people are focused on their kids. It's back to school. And, you know, they are spent because they had to buy new clothing, you know, uh, school supplies. So Which? don't raise your prices there.
1: <laughs> I was guilty of that until mm-hmm. Amalia did, told me about why the logic behind doing it right before the holidays i would always do it january which i know a lot of people do because they think okay new year new prices we're Mm -hmm. starting like quote unquote starting over for the year so that's when i would do it before but then it makes Mm -hmm. sense because january is one of the slowest months in the beauty industry because everybody has just spent all their money on the holidays and again yes august and september those are also the slow months mm-hmm. because of going back to school, getting back on track from the summer and people's mm-hmm. schedules changing. So before the holidays is a great time. Another great time to raise your prices is before the summer months or in yes. the spring, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of people are want to
0: get their lashes done for the summer months, spring and yeah. summer months. Vacation, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Spring break, everybody's going out, you know, to the pool or like to party or vacation time, right? And same during summertime. So those are the times to raise your prices for sure. Um, so, one more thing about raising your prices, um, please do so planning ahead of time. So don't just raise your prices like tomorrow. You need to give your um, clients. Enough time to work it into their um, budget, spending habits, into their budget. Uh, now, really quick, please stop posting your new pricing on social media. Nobody cares. Nobody needs to see it. <laughs> Unless you're posting it there for new clients to see, don't announce it. New clients don't know what you were charging before. So, in their mind, that's what the price is and has always been. Now, when you are raising your prices, you want to contact your clients, the ones that you're seeing every day. Um, separately. You want to email them or send them a text message where you more privately communicated with them. Or their appointment be like, at the end of their appointment, you just let them know, hey,
1: at your next appointment or in two appointments later, it's going to Mm -hmm. be this amount.
0: Right. So always give them, you know, at least I would say a month for them to budget in. Um, you don't want to piss people off and that's why a lot of people are afraid of it. There's nothing to be afraid of it. Uh, one thing Jody will tell you guys, um, her, um, opinion to, which is pretty much the same. I always like to extra communicate with people like, Hey, this is what's happening. I took a new class or I want to invest in better support, whatever you want to tell them just to make them a part of the growth. And so then they will understand that there's a reasoning behind it. Uh, now, really quick, before I move on, going back to social media, if you post it on a reel or like you posted on your stories, most likely your actual clients right now that you have right now, they might miss it. So they don't know. So that's why you always want to back it up by email and like text message or in person. Now, Jody likes always to say, you don't have to tell people that you're yeah. why you're raising your prices. Like, is it good to let, s- s-
1: like, your clients know? Yeah. But I also believe that, well, things go up every year and nobody tells you. You mm-hmm. go to Starbucks, you get your coffee and you're, look, you're like, oh, shit, it's 30, per- it's 30 cents more now. They did yeah. not announce it to the public right. that they were raising their prices. Nobody, no large business announces their prices. Yeah, so that's true. you don't have to either. But I would say it is a courtesy to your mm-hmm. clients that you do do that. I mean, yeah. for me, it's like if I'm raising it like a few bucks, that's not super huge. But if I were like $10, which that is kind of a big raise, I, wouldn't, mm-hmm. I personally wouldn't raise it by that much in one, right. one time. But yeah, it is nice to let people know. I have let people know in the past, and I haven't let people know in the past. Sometimes it just... Well, when you book on my booking site, you see the price. So, for me, it's yeah. like you see
0: it there. Right. So, let me ask you last thing. Um, how much is it okay to raise your prices? Like for them, for it to be worth it, but also not too much. For fills,
1: I personally wouldn't raise any more than $5 at a time. For full sets, I would say anywhere between 10 to 20
0: Okay. I always try to make it count as a $10 increase for it to be worth the the price increase for the whole year. So I don't leave or like I'm left with the feeling of like, shoot, like it's just barely $5. Like it didn't really make a huge impact. Although $5 can be a lot. Um, but then I don't tend to raise my prices every year. I like wait like a year and a half sometimes depending mm-hmm. on how things are going so then that's why I like make it a little more uh and then for full sets I increase it up to $30 a, at a time um but then I have I feel like I have um not that I have capped myself but I feel I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at so like a full set runs you to 70 and I'm, I'm okay with that um but I don't know maybe I'll raise it up to like 300 in an next year or so but we'll see i don't know like i i'm always debating but i think it's like about the same i think it's not yeah it's not like crazy between you and i like we would think
1: all right ladies so as always thank you so much for listening today we sincerely hope that you learned something valuable and that you enjoyed today's episode if you would please leave us a review and share your thoughts with us we would love to read your five-star reviews and we always appreciate those.
0: Yes. And always make sure to stay connected with us on our social media handles. You can find Jody at winkslashbar. Bar. You can find me at Amalia Brace and Lash, and you can find the both of us at the Lash Besties Podcast. And also remember that you can find more resources and relatable links in the show notes below. We're going to leave the um, break-even link for you to use. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to the episode. We will see you next time. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Bye. Bye, guys.